0: Beginner's Call. This is your beginner's call. Will all show beginners please make their way to the studio?
1: Tonight's performance of Overstudies is about to begin. Hello
0: and welcome to the latest edition of the Overstudies podcast.
2: Yes, we're back once again and we have an exciting episode for you this week.
0: We do indeed. I'm really excited for this one because we are finally catching them all, completing the trio and having a chat with the fantastic Abby O'Neill from the Tight Lads podcast.
2: Yes, that'll be coming up shortly, but I think we should introduce ourselves first.
0: We should indeed. My name is Charlie. Mine's Becky. And we are the Overstudies.
2: Yes, welcome to another installment of what can only be described as a chaos-fueled podcast.
0: Chaos-fueled podcast indeed. That is the right one. If you enjoy the chaos today, what you can do is get in touch with us and let us know that. We are on all the social medias. We're on Twitter.
2: At Overstudies.
0: We're on Instagram.
2: At Overstudies blog.
0: We have a website.
2: Overstudies.co.uk Overstudies.co.uk
0: on that website you will find
2: a very sexy little contact form
0: that you can use to
2: <laughs> contact us. <laughs> or,
0: <laughs> or if you are more old fashioned and you prefer to contact us in other manners you can use email
2: stage at uk.
0: or you can let a carrier pigeon loose in the direction of North London.
2: Yeah, and we probably won't reply to that one.
0: No, it probably won't get here. No, no, no in London it will get shot.
2: <laughs> probably. <laughs>
0: Like I said, chaos, Chaos chaos-filled show. So we're now joined on the Overstudies podcast by the host of another podcast, um, the wonderful Abby O'Neill. Thanks for coming to have a chat with us, Abby.
1: Thank you for having me. It's so exciting to be a guest on another
2: podcast. (laughs) Yeah, we finally managed to collect all of the tight lads now. It's been a while, but we've got there in the end.
0: It's like Pokemon cards. (laughs) Got to catch them all.
2: Yep, definitely.
0: (laughs) So Becky touched on it there. You are, of course, one of the co hosts of, well, not even the Tight Lads podcast at this stage, but you are one of the three Tight Lads, which, let's be honest, is starting to become a little bit of a sensation.
1: (laughs) Oh, I wouldn't quite say a sensation yet, but (laughs) we're trying our best. Yeah, I am one of the co-hosts of the Tight Lads. Yeah, one of the Tight Lads, as you said, it's kind of become a bit started as a podcast and leading to become more than a podcast, which is great. So, yeah.
2: So for new listeners, do you want to explain a bit more about how Tight Lads started and, you know, what, where the idea came from? Because the name sounds almost like a well-known TV show,
1: but the opposite. yeah. Thank you for mentioning that, because most people say it sounds like some sort of dodgy website or something. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so the name originated from Loose Women, which is Jordan Donnelly, one of my co-hosts, favourite TV show. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> no, no. He's been, obviously, he's been to see it recorded live, of course. And kind of the the actual podcast itself originated from the three of us living together during lockdown. And being so bored, not knowing what to do with ourselves, and going live on Instagram and just doing random rubbish. Like the boys did live baking, yoga, they did each other's makeup, just like fun things. And people, like if people really enjoyed it and were like, oh, well, we don't want live lads to end. And it ended because we were all kind of parting ways and going back home and things. And then we th- kind of thought, like what can we do with this we want to carry on we want to develop it into something different we're like why don't we start recording it as a podcast our drama school after our course they did a fund for people that wanted to go into something different a creative fund basically which we put towards our equipment and that really helped us to kind of get from we were doing it just through zoom and like recording it we had one mic that we were all crowded around and we wanted to just improve kind of the sound quality and just the general quality of the podcast so that's kind of how it got off its feet and started to develop into let's get this on Spotify and so that other people can hear it and we can share it around and that's kind of where it developed from I guess.
2: Yeah and it's kind of continued to grow from there hasn't it and uh, turned into a bit of a
1: uh, live sensation. Yeah so it was so funny how that even came about because literally one time Jordan made a joke and said, I want to do a live show. I want tight lads to go live. And then we, we were like, yeah, yeah. At some point we'll get there. And then he texted us probably a few days later and was like, okay, so I've booked us a slot at uh, the Phoenix Arts Club. It's happening. And then it kind of forced us to do it because I think if we'd have kind of stayed in that planning stage it could have gone on for months and we would have been like yeah we'll come to it like when we're ready sort of thing but because Jordan had just done it and it was booked and we needed to come up with a show we were forced into it and then obviously after we did the first one and it was well received and people really enjoyed it so we were like let's do another one (laughs) and we've just had our our third live show I just I love the live element to it obviously because we get to sing as well and and do kind of a bit extra than the normal podcast but having the guests there and that kind of the audience with us it's just a very different feel to just sat in Jordan's living room recording.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we said this when we spoke to Chesney and Jordan and we'll, we'll keep saying the same thing, to be honest, every time we talk about Tight Lads, which is that we went along on the basis of one of your guests, not really knowing what to expect. And I think it's safe to say we have caught the Tight Lads bug.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we were sat front row and we're like, not really sure what to expect here, but we're just here for a good time. And we had such a laugh, like... And now we're like, right, everyone needs to go and see this. Every time it gets a show gets announced, I'm like, right, who is free? Who wants to come along? Like everyone needs to go to this because it's just so much fun.
0: It's really nice to kind of bring all those elements that you mentioned together as well. You get to have a little chat with yourselves, your guests, you get to hear some some really wonderful live music. And it is kind of sort of everything wrapped into a nice little package. And yeah, I mean... I on behalf of both of us I say ser- we certainly wish you all the, the success with it in the future because we will certainly still be there and what is now our, apparently our regular table.
2: Yeah we keep accidentally booking the same spot <laughs> but we'll just we'll just
1: carry on. Yeah we know where to look we're like well if, if you weren't there it would be devastating because firstly someone else would be sat at your table and secondly we'd be like where are they? <laughs> stop, stop we the show. Sorry, we're going to have to re- reschedule. Yeah, like you said, kind of having that that live element, it's just great to connect with the guests in in another way and also connect with the audience and sing. And we've got lots of plans for 2023 for Tight Lads and kind of where do we go next? Because there's so many cabaret and concert shows and small kind of intimate settings. We didn't want to just be that. We wanted to kind of have that talk show vibe to it as well and kind of be presenting something other than than just songs and a bit of chat. It's more about the chat and a little bit of singing because, you know, we can't do it without.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think one of my favourite parts is just how some of the conversations that you've had with guests one of my favorite chats that i saw was with jenna boyd for those who don't know jenna boyd was in come from away and just those conversations about how much that show meant to her and meant to you guys like it that's not something you'd necessarily see anywhere else
0: From my point of view, that's something that really adds an extra dimension to the live shows as well, is that you get to see those emotions and you get to see like those connections. And it is, like you say, it is really nice getting the kind of the chat element. And then the songs almost break up the chat rather than being the main event in themselves. And I think that's one reason why certainly in our view, it, it does really work is there's something for everybody there. It's not just coming to watch a podcast being recorded, which can be quite dry. It's not just let's go to a cabaret style performance. It is its own kind of thing. We love it and we can't get enough of it. It's really nice to see tight lads and other things as well. But tight lads is a great example of, you know, lockdown was a really difficult time for so many people, particularly creatives, particularly people in the theatre industry. And to see some of the projects that kind of came to light under quite difficult circumstances, seeing them now thrive in the post-pandemic era is only a good thing.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And it was definitely one of those things where this is either going to fly or it's going to flop. And obviously there have been elements to it, which is all a learning curve because none of us had, as much as we are creatives, we'd never done a podcast before. We'd never even been guests on a podcast. So it was, this is what we're going to go with. We're going to roll with it and get feedback from people, see what they think. and then we kind of have learned going forward each season. It's like, okay, what can we take from this? What what did we not like? What what do we want to evolve? And which avenue do we want to go down? And it's just all a learning curve that everyone's coming along with us. That sounds kind of like what we're doing, to be honest.
0: <laughs> I think that's, that's part of the fun of it as well, though, is just sort of seeing what happens and having an idea of what you want to do that isn't necessarily fully formulated at the start. But, you know, we've had some really lovely experiences doing the podcast not least chatting with wonderful people like yourself
1: (laughs) yeah I think you you capture those organic moments when you don't over plan as well that you wouldn't get if it was too structured and like I said like there are probably full episodes where we literally sat afterwards and said that was crap or that was the worst episode we've ever done but we still released it because it wasn't to the point where we were it was a detriment to us or our character or anything like that it was just this isn't our best our best stuff but it's part of the tight lads it's part of our the season as a whole we're not gonna scrap it let's just post it
0: that's it's one thing that's always struck me as is one of my kind of favorite parts of the tight lads is it's very real you know you, you all three of you were very kind of honest about your experiences about things that's going on. The Tight Lads is what it is. You know, it is, it is very polished, I would say as a, as a listener at this point or, or as a, you know, viewer at the shows, but equally every now and then there's just that little bit of chaos that actually is what brings some of the fun to, to things like this. You know, our p- podcast is pure chaos. So it's something that is fun for us to do, but also as, as a consumer is also fun. It's nice to see people enjoying themselves, having a bit of a laugh, being a little bit silly rather than being overly polished and overly kind of professional.
2: Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. The authenticity is, it just makes it, no, no one actually wants perfection. They want to see kind of the road to that and seeing people grow like throughout podcasts and through shows and things like that. It's it's all part of the fun. That's why we're all here.
0: So if we just rewind just a little bit, because we've talked a lot about Tight Lads and your podcast, stroke live shows, stroke everything else. But we didn't we sort of skipped over who Abby O'Neill is and a little bit more. In five words, sum up yourself.
1: Oh, five words. Gosh.
0: You can use a few more if you need to.
1: <laughs> it's interesting because what you were saying about um not wanting to do podcasts, not wanting to speak, not wanting to do radio. That was 100% me before Tight Lads as well. I'm quite a, I'm not a shy person, but I'm definitely introverted. And the idea of kind of public speaking or making a show of myself, even though I'm an MT actress, doesn't really go together, but I'm kind of the quiet end of MT performer. And I feel like doing the podcast has definitely helped in my confidence. I'm when you get to know me very loud very chatty doesn't stop talking <laughs> yeah i love cats i love all animals to be honest but cats are top tier um what else is that me you know that i love singing i think i think that's that's it
2: really i'm pretty boring it's always a hard question when someone's like tell us about yourself and then all of a sudden you forget everything about yourself you're like i don't know who i am <laughs>
0: When I start, first started doing radio and all the rest of it, you know, people ask me all the time, tell us about yourself. And I was just like, I have no idea. And then apparently 12 years of talking about yourself in front of a microphone eventually means that it just comes. Up.
2: Yeah. Get there eventually. <laughs> I'm just Northern, so I can't ever shut up. So that's, that's my problem. <laughs> So
0: moving back then to kind of tight lads. Obviously the live shows are still a relatively new part of what Tight Lads is all about, but you've already hinted that there might be some more coming our way. When it comes to putting those together, obviously there's a preparation process, there's various things that have to be done to kind of get that get that all all together and all sorted. Can you tell us a little bit more about I guess some of your favorite elements or or you know any anecdotes or memorable moments of putting together the live shows
1: probably the most memorable parts of doing all three is just jordan becoming some sort of dictator that he just takes on this persona <laughs> of. and he's like a different person than he is on the podcast and he's literally he he makes a group chat for each live show invite and adds to the guests and then we'll send right you're doing this you're doing that um can i have this can i have that and just sorts everything so me and chesney are like cool we'll just we'll just turn up we'll just do, do our bit um but he's i think jordan just loves the organisation part of it so we just kind of leave that to him he deals with the admin he contacts the venue um and then when it comes to actually putting together the show the three of us usually have a meeting sit down there's usually some sort of kind of theme slightly that we kind of go with um the, la- the third Tight Lads was originally meant to be in October. So we were going to go with a Halloween theme, which unfortunately we had to rearrange the date for. So then we were like, okay, we're going to scrap the whole show. We're going to replan and go with something different. Um, so kind of, yeah, once we've got that central, whether it's around what guests we're having or what we want to do singing wise, um, we then look at... Mainly the medleys first, we kind of, we get Tim on board with that um, and he does, he plans everything. He's a genius. We literally just send him, these are the songs we want to do. This is the sheet music. Please, can you help us make it sound good? Yeah. <laughs> and then usually we just have one rehearsal just to go through all of the singing side of it. And we choose our own solos mostly, although... I go to Jordan and say, "These are my options. What do you think I should do?" Because <laughs> he's great with the advice side of it. He knows, like, he knows exactly what's going to work and and not work with the show. And I guess he kind of takes control of the live element in that sense. Um, he has his overall kind of picture of what he wants the show to be and we know that Chesney's mostly going to be hosting it um so my role is just to sit and look pretty and sing <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a role you do very very well <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you
2: and I guess kind of you know speaking of singing and performing we should talk about your inspirations for starting to train in performing arts what made you want to go into that career
1: yes yeah, so Originally, I wanted to do veterinary medicine and at school, so I chose A-levels that were going to go down that route at the time. So when I was a lot younger, I did um, competitive dance and I didn't do any singing or I always enjoyed singing, but I didn't do any sort of singing lessons or anything. And then one of my friends at school said, oh, I go to a school that kind of does everything and you can do singing and musical theatre. And why don't you come and try it out? that was kind of when i started doing musicals for for fun outside of school and unfortunately my school didn't really have that many kind of opportunities to do drama or or that sort of thing so i was just doing it outside um and then there was literally one show which was the ter- complete turning point for me i was doing oliver and i was playing nancy which is one of my dream roles such a good role <laughs> i love the character i love the show and it's actually It's quite a Marmite show, which I didn't realise. A lot of people hate it, but I personally think it's great. Um, And when I was doing that, I was like, no, this is what I want to do. Like having that moment of standing on stage on my own and singing as long as he needs me, I was like, there's no feeling like this. I know that this, I have so much passion for doing this and that feeling that this is what I'm going to go like full throttle. This is what I want to pursue. And I was having singing lessons already at the time, but I kind of said, I want to take this kind of more seriously. I want to start auditioning, looking at auditioning for drama schools. So then I literally did a 180 on my subjects that I was doing at A-level. I'd done one year and struggled, really struggled. The only thing, the only subject that I loved was drama. So I was like, it's, it's meant to be. So then I changed schools I went and did a diploma in musical theatre instead at a college which was two years so that kind of pushed me back a a year and after the two years I then auditioned for drama schools and I got into the foundation at Trinity Laban and I didn't get any other offers I was I think I may have been on a reserve list or something but in the end I didn't get in anywhere but I also auditioned for the part-time foundation course at Central School of Speech and Drama, which was one of my other dream schools to train at. Um so then I decided to stay living at home and go for the part-time course because paying for first of all living and then also the full foundation course at Trinity, I was like, it's just not within yeah. my reach. It's yeah. not going to happen. Um so I decided I'm gonna go with the part-time course. I can still work at home and travel up and I loved it there. It was such such a great time and everyone was so nice. And we did a show um at the end of our course. Um and then I really wanted to go to Central. Um, but Trinity, I had such a great audition, both times that I auditioned there. Everyone was so welcoming and it was such a nice, such a nice building. And I was like I can see myself here. Greenwich is amazing. I love it. So I'd have been happy with an offer from either and then I got into Trinity in the summer of 2017, so I started studying there and that was kind of my journey to studying musical theater.
2: Yeah, I'm always fascinated
1: about the process of like getting
2: into drama school and training in musical theater because I was I was a theater kid, but I kind of gave it up and i think like i don't know much about what that's like compared to you know just kind of just going to kind of dance school i always find it really fascinating
0: one of the because i also did you know drama and uh theater studies and all the rest of it right through to a level but i took a very different path and instead of kind of going down the acting route i went more into the technical side of things into the direction side of things and when it came to like looking for unis and and all the rest of it there was that few places on offer that didn't require you to act that i was just like well this is never going to be an option because whilst i had acted right through until gcse um it was wasn't kind of where my talents and passions let's say laid so yeah it is always kind of really interesting to to hear those elements and stories and and it's also i think from well, both of our experiences just of life, it's really interesting to see how things can work out, not always necessarily as you want them to work out at the time, but often when you look back, you go, actually, whilst that wasn't my first choice or or whatever, actually it's all worked out quite well and I've ended up with something that does mean a lot or, or that's put me in a good place or whatever.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's something I've found through first of all, auditioning to drama school and then going through the processes. I, when I first got the offer and was going, I was kind of like, I'm going to be turning 21 when I start the course. Am I going to be like, I'm going to be really old when I graduate. And and it just felt like I was further ahead in the timeline. to what my course mates were going to be, but then actually arriving there, realizing that so many other people were in the same boat that they'd been auditioning for drama school for two, three years as well. Um, And then others that had come straight from school hadn't had any, they didn't do a diploma like I did, they just did it like amateur dramatics um, and just auditioned for drama school and got in. And everyone had very different experiences, but that was part of what made a good group because I think if we'd have all had the same path we wouldn't have all kind of ended up there. And then also what's happened since drama school as well. And lots of people have kind of gone down other avenues. Lots of people are still pursuing it. And it's just, I wouldn't have kind of met those people if we hadn't have ended up in that in that situation.
2: It's one of those things, I know it's a conversation that comes up quite a lot on, you know, socials and everyone's like, everyone's got their own path. You know, like it's so easy to compare yourself to other people in in any industry, but I guess this in in performing arts in particular but everyone gets to the same place eventually. It's kind of like, it doesn't really matter how you get there, but you're all in kind of like the same rooms. And I think that's quite a nice, nice journey.
0: Like if I look back, you know, 15 years ago, I, I'm in a very different place to kind of where I planned to be and wanted to be, but I'm actually really happy and, and really kind of glad that I've made the choices that I've made. And I've taken the options that I did because, you know, whilst I might not be doing theater or, or much kind of creative stuff as my, you know, primary job. Actually, I've ended up in a place where I have a job that is very stressful at times, but equally is what is needed from a job. It takes the boxes of paying the bills, but then allows me to do things like a podcast, allows me to spend lots of time in theatres, seeing shows and things. And I think, you know, it can be really challenging to always see if that's where you're going to end up when you're making those decisions.
2: Yeah. And I guess my next my next question following on from that quite nicely actually is having gone through kind of the auditioning process and the whole drama school process do you kind of have any advice for anyone who's thinking about applying who's kind of wanting to go into the industry what what would you like to have been told when you were starting the whole journey
1: oh that's a really good question um so first of all i would say The journey through drama school, whether it's auditioning or the actual course itself, is your personal journey and being alongside, especially because my year group was the first intake where it was 50, so there was a lot of us in one year, there's so many people to compare yourself to and to kind of feel like you're in competition with, but it's only on coming out the other side that you realise that that literally means nothing and when you're in an audition room you're all completely different you all have different skill sets you're all going to be going for different roles and different jobs so it really doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you fail it doesn't matter if someone is better than you at something at one skill because you're going to have something else that you bring to the table and I think I wish someone had kind of said that to me before first year is to just enjoy the journey on your own and don't worry about other, what other people are doing. Um, and it's obviously all through life, it's hard to, to not compare yourself to other people in, in hundreds of aspects. But I think as well as that, it's what you put into the training is what you get out of it. So if you have something that you're particularly passionate about, through the training say you have a real passion for acting and the different styles and you want to throw yourself into that but you're not so keen on jazz you're still going to turn up to the classes but if you really have that passion for acting and that you see yourself going down that avenue put put your effort into that and throw yourself in and don't worry about what everyone else is doing just kind of focus on focus on number one and obviously a lot of it is a team aspect and you're going to be doing shows with other people and you have to work with others for the whole course that's part of part of the job and what you're going to be doing beyond that but definitely not worrying about what others think or what they're doing and just keeping on your path is definitely my kind of main piece of advice for people going into the industry in general whether it's training or going straight into acting
2: yeah I think that's really good advice and I I guess it's kind of those things you don't really think about it until you leave sometimes. Kind of like, oh, just I wish someone had told me that, especially in an industry that is quite brutal at times.
0: I think that was one thing that I, I actually learned kind of the hard way at uni, but equally managed to figure out fairly early on is just throw yourself at opportunities. If you get something, just do it like with radio. I'd never done anything like it. And, and I look back at some of my, I think back to some of my early radio shows, thankfully no recordings exist of them. And I'm just like, what, what did, what, what did I do that for? Or what did I do? You know, why did I do that? But it was, it was all about just being in the moment and having so much fun because with things like live radio, live performances, they're over before you know it. And uh, you know, when it comes to podcasts, when it comes to radio, when it comes to theater, inform, educate, entertain, you can do all three of kind of those things and if you're doing that if people are laughing whilst also enjoying themselves maybe learning something you're onto something good and ultimately wherever you end up doing or whatever you end up doing like you you're clearly good and you're clearly there for a reason if you are in a show you know you've been given that part for a reason so make the most of it it doesn't matter what anybody else does so kind of on your path to where you are now through drama school etc have there been any kind of big standout theatre inspirations for you anybody who you've kind of looked at and gone you know that they mean a lot to me or I want to be them notwithstanding what we've just been talking about of not kind of copying people yeah. <laughs> but you know they're people that you've you've sort of gone oh wow you know I want to be where they are in however many years time
1: absolutely there's so many but some standout ones for me definitely so for my 21st birthday, I went to New York and I got to see my first Broadway show, um, which was Anastasia. And that was literally my, one of my favourite childhood films. And I'd grown up watching it probably like three times a day. I loved it. And seeing um, Chrissy Altimore sing Journey to the Past, I was literally like dumbfounded. Like we sat, we were sat in the front row and it was just one of the best theatrical experiences I've ever had um and just I was like oh that's I want to be her <laughs> I want to <laughs> be her. just amazing Alice Fern in Wicked uh, just incredible Rachel Tucker in everything she does just every performance is is stand out I think yeah she's unbelievable I have so many inspirations of and I just I look up to so many people not only for their individual performance but the fact that they have to do that eight times a week and smash out the park every time and they always do and just meeting those standards for every show i think everyone is doing an amazing job um and i'm very excited to kind of see where like the west end is going to go in the next sort of year or so it feels like there's a lot of change um happening lots of new shows coming in and i'm just yeah excited to see what's coming next
2: yeah, I think we are exactly the same when it comes to exciting new shows and things like that at the moment. We we can't
1: get enough of the new stuff.
0: <laughs> Tight lines, residency when?
1: <laughs> I think we've got that booked in for 2024. I just need yeah, to... Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> my we'll clear our
2: calendar, it's all right.
0: <laughs> Literally, we'll just be there every night.
2: So on the topic of stagey inspirations as well, is there a moment in a show that just makes your brain go a bit buzzy and you're just like, wow, that's that was amazing.
1: Yes, I know exactly. Straight away, as soon as you were like, is there a moment? Like, yes, I know what this moment is. It is the overture for Miss Saigon. I saw it twice in the West End and the first time, literally instant tears. I can't even explain my love for that show, the music, I just find it. It just evokes emotions that I can't even explain why I'm crying it just happens. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just leaking and I don't know why. I just think the score is just so beautiful. Like when, when you kind of think of those moments, it's not like a a big kind of show moment. It's literally just as simple as the music itself just moves me.
0: Yeah, I mean, Miss Saigon's a show that I have adored. For I saw the original run as a kid. I don't remember much of it because I was very young at the time, but my I had family who worked in the theatre and then obviously all the revival remarkably quite a long time ago now i know it's a show in 2023 eyes that is not the best let's say in terms of some of the themes in the story without kind of getting too much but as far as the music goes and as far as the score it is beautiful like i i have so much love and adoration for that and i know exactly what you mean like as soon as kind of the overture starts up it is yeah so linking in from kind of moments that make your your brain go a little bit fuzzy are there any dream roles that you'd love to play are there any things that go that's where I want to be that's what I want to do
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so at the moment because it does not change as in I they go away again but I go through kind of oh yeah I really fancy that role at the moment or I kind of lean towards obviously Elphaba is always kind of just there it's just always on the almost let's say on the back burner because as we know the flow's not going anywhere. So it'll be at some point I'd love to do that role. At the moment, I'm really loving Amberlyn in Six. What else is at the moment? I'm trying to think of my my phases. Um yeah, obviously I'd love to do Nancy and Oliver again, as I think, I don't know if it's actually been announced or not whether it's going to be coming to the West End. Has it been announced? I don't know. I think there were some (laughs) rumours floating around. Yeah, so, I mean, if that does come to the West End at some point, I'd love to at least be in the room for it. I'd love to do um, Tracy and Hairspray. It's another one that I would love to get my teeth into. There's Yeah, there's loads. But, yeah, those are kind of my current phases, (laughs) shall we say.
2: Some very strong roles there. Like, I'm... You were saying earlier, Oliver's a bit of a Marmite show, but I was in Oliver at Amdram, so I'm I'm not that good. But like Oliver is just like such, like it's actually a really dark show. Like I didn't realize when I was younger, but then listening back, I was like, oh, wow, I have such a deeper appreciation for this show now. Like I'd love to actually see it instead of being in it and just being like, oh, wow, that's that's what that looks like on stage.
0: Yeah, I mean, like is another show that I have a lot of a lot of love for. I think Nancy, a, a likewise, as a role is just so interesting and there's so much you can do with the character and the characterization of it. So yeah, totally see that. And what's not to love about Anne Boleyn? I mean, second best queen is all we're going to say. Because we all know it's Kay Howard where it's at.
2: I'm a I'm a Burbo fan, so like I'm like, yeah.
0: <laughs> Circling back then to Tight Lads and talking a little bit more about that, are there any guests you've had either on the podcast or at the live shows really stand out as as moments where either, you know, it was really just nice to have a chat or it was like, wow, I got we got this person to come and have a chat with us? Or any again, like even memorable stories?
1: For me, I think Jenna Boyd was a massive highlight for me in particular, not only because we got her to come downstairs from coming away to join us, <laughs> um, but as well, just everything she said, I completely was in awe of what of everything she had to say. She spoke so well about everything. everything that she, everything we asked her. She had great answers for, and she was so inspiring. I just felt afterwards like I took so much away from everything she said, um, and I was like, I'm going to take that forward and kind of, and keep that, keep that in the back of my mind forever. Really, it's it's never going to leave me, and that's why I I think that's why she's kind of up there as as one of my favorite guests.
2: Yeah, I mean, we said the same. I think when we left that show, that tight lad show, we were like, wow, that was just actually so inspirational to listen to and like just so nice as well and honest
0: i think that was it It was such an honest chat about the industry about jenna's experiences but because of the atmosphere of what the tight ladder is about as we've we've kind of discussed as well it was such a perfect platform for kind of all of that to come together because phoenix arts club is such an intimate space for one having chats like that always work differently when it's like a conversation almost there is a q a element but you know the audience are an audience but you still feel that you're part of the conversation it's not kind of like you know the stage is massive and it's way over there and you're just listening it's it it was such a nice and kind of intimate and, and raw moment and i think just it was certainly something that that just made us go, wow, that was that was really special. And we were very happy to be there.
1: Yeah, it felt like we all experienced something special together. Like you said, like we were all one. And yeah, it was so yeah raw and honest. And it felt like Jenna was one of the tight lads and she matched our that kind of energy that we bring, which was great. Do you have any dream guests that you'd like to get on the next show? Yes, we have, we have a list. <laughs> so we actually, we put a question box up the other day and we said to our listeners, who do you, who do you want to, to have on? And my mum said Aaron to So
2: I, I, I second that and third that and fourth that like, yes, so I'd,
1: I'd be here for that. <laughs> Another dream guest for me is Rachel Tucker. I mean, there's so many and Kind of with the next season, we're kind of reaching out to to new guests and and kind of brainstorming at the moment of who is not only our dream guests, but who do we think our listeners would like to to hear from, um, and kind of not just the big names. Who is kind of stepping out into the industry? Who are the newcomers, and and who who can bring something different? Is kind of what we're we're going with this season.
0: I think that's actually a really important and great kind of note to, to mention really there is there is that opportunity, that platform for people who are kind of just at the start of their careers, you know, as, as great as it is to get people like Jenna who have so much experience equally going completely the other direction and, and having people kind of brand new that can be just as inspirational and just as important. And, you know, it's a big ethos of the overstudies is that, we don't just want to go for like the same big names. We kind of want to give a bit of a platform like we're massive fans of of covers and understudies and, and swings and all that kind of thing. And whilst there is a bit of a renewed interest in all of those things in, in kind of the post pandemic world that we live in equally, we know just from observing the industry how hard it can be to get a break. But we also know from our own experiences more than anything as well, how much of an impact those people who are just starting out can have on the next generation as well and actually how they're the future of of the stage, they're the future of the industry. We should be celebrating and platforming them now because if you do just platform the same names and the same old hands over and over again, yes, they've got experience that's always going to be relevant. But when you create those spaces and those platforms for the next generation, if you fall into the trap of only ever speaking to The person who's been in the industry for 50 years there's nothing to learn or to to grow from certainly in in my experience
2: yeah and I really think you've mentioned this earlier we're really at like a turning point I think in the industry like the next couple of years are going to be really special and I think that everyone is kind of aware of it and I think just having these conversations now is just so exciting to find out you know like what what's inspiring people what's encouraging people to kind of make those changes and you know just bring a whole new life to
1: the industry as a whole really. Yeah it feels like we're just peeping out of a box at the moment and it's it's gonna open into something amazing and I think theatre is gonna have a a whole new life in in the next couple of years and I feel a lot of that is still coming from post-covid and the creativity that was kind of held in is is now being released and developing and that's so exciting yeah and i mean you kind of graduated into the kind of
2: pre-covid slash covid world (laughs) what has that been like you know what what was that experience like obviously the tight lads has come out of that but like what as a performer what did that feel like
1: so it was tough i i won't like sugarcoat it it was it was difficult at the time that we were kind of leaving drama school because at first we didn't know how long we were going to be off for because we left in March 2020 and then we were kind of like told, well, it's only going to be kind of a few weeks hopefully and then we'll be back. And there was just that uncertainty for so long of what we, what our third year was going to be, what we were going to come away with. And especially for that sort of course where you're building up to your third year and all of your big uh, performances and agent opportunities are in that year, it was really scary at the time and and daunting of what what was going to come from it. And I think there were definitely negatives that came from missing those aspects of our third year. We were lucky that we got our first third year show in before the pandemic. We had that in December. But then obviously during that period, it was kind of getting to the point where we were thinking, I don't think we're going to get an agent showcase or another show, so we're going to have to kind of start doing things for ourselves, um, and that was when people started reaching out to agents and, and contacting producers and things, and how can I get involved in what is still working in the industry? And there was kind of like peep- peeping out and closing, is it open, is it closing, like it was all a bit crazy. And then also when theatre did return, there was there were a lot of contracts that were already signed pre-pandemic. So as a graduate, it felt like you didn't have your toe in the door at all. Um, and also it was getting to the point where we weren't technically graduates anymore. Um, so, yeah, it was really tough at the start. And actually, I found my graduation quite emotional because I just found it very overwhelming and strange that I was graduating so far after my course and I hadn't seen my course mates in all that time through the pandemic and also that we didn't get to finish and have that moment together of we've done this and and that was that was difficult and emotional but then fast forward to now seeing what other people were achieving having achieved things ourselves and going down different avenues to kind of make that happen for ourselves it wouldn't have happened without the pandemic tight lads wouldn't be a thing and it wouldn't have led to the opportunities that we've kind of made for ourselves. And it forced us to do that. So there were definitely positives that came out of it and creative creativity because we had the time to plan and be creative and record things. And like we're really thankful to have, to have had that and to have been put in that situation.
2: Yeah. I think it's definitely been, a weird time for everyone and the fact that there are positives coming out of it that's that's all we can kind of work towards really and look look as a a focus
0: I think this is it it links back to what we were just saying you know about how there's some really exciting stuff happening within the industry at the moment and yes it is kind of still under this cloud of difficult times and challenges and it's it's also really important to acknowledge that like we're not out the woods yet there is you know, there's some really big shows are closing that without a pandemic probably wouldn't have been closing. There's theatre companies and theatres themselves potentially still at risk, but there is now starting to be that kind of glimmer of, of hope on the horizon. And I think, I, I've been saying it for about a year now, but I think we are on the cusp of another golden age of theatre because we have so many determined and forthright individuals, be they as performers, be they as creatives, be they as as writers, directors, you know, across the board who have lived through these really challenging times and haven't had all of the same opportunities that have been there traditionally, but have gone right then, how can we still adapt and, and move forwards? And I think, you know, again, as bad as it is, and we, we've all had different experiences, I was very lucky and kept working all the way through the pandemic as a key worker, which was not easy, but the alternative of sitting at home for me would have been a hell of a lot more difficult. But I think despite kind of all of that, the fact that people are so motivated and driven and wanting to change the industry, change theatre for the better is only a good thing.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that one.
0: Changing kind of then course almost completely really with a couple last things just before we wrap up. Obviously you've been doing some work recently with Sing Easy, which is well, tell us a little bit about that and I guess what it's been like to to work there.
1: Yeah, so it was kind of I want to say the end of October time, maybe beginning of November, I saw they were looking for Christmas temp staff at Sing Easy and I'd heard of Sing Easy and I'd seen videos but I'd never been there myself and kind of knew about the concept and so I applied and then went to audition and then I found out I got the job and I knew it was a singing waitress job and um, so there was both elements. I'd worked in hospitality before so I kind of had that experience behind me but didn't really know how the concept was gonna play out. So kind of the idea behind it is we have a live pianist every night and the guests have request slips and they can request any musical, musical film, Disney, um anything musical can be requested and the staff will try their best to to do that song for them. And kind of the ceilings covered in musical posters as inspiration. And it was such a great, a great time. I was there for kind of about, I think it was nearly six weeks. And the end of November into uh, right up until New Year, I did New Year's Eve as well. And just meeting the best bunch of creatives and performers that I've worked with who a lot of them have been in similar or the same situation graduating during or after the pandemic and kind of seeing how that has affected them and what they've kind of been up to and just also meeting other performers outside of my drama school which was great and everyone was so supportive and it was such a nice atmosphere we had a table with all of the songs and we'd all go over and say well you do this one really well and I really like this song so let's write and we just write our names down on what we want to sing and then like on a Friday and Saturday night we'd have a host as well so they kind of run the evening and compare which is great and the customers just loved it they loved the concept they loved all of the ABBA and the um. we did the Dirty Dancing and kind of lame all of those sorts of shows and then you'd get the like hardcore musical fans coming in requesting the stuff that even we are like oh I think I can do this one or and just having those obscure requests it's great um and it was just such great fun um and doing like getting to do group numbers and and just like jumping on the mic to help someone out and such a, a great kind of what I loved about the request element of it is that a lot of the songs you'd kind of be like I know this 80, 90%. I'm going to go for it and see what happens. And that is when the best performances happened because people would just kind of create this organic version of the song, which they kind of knew it mostly and just kind of went for it. And it was amazing. And yeah, I just, I would really recommend it to, to anyone to go there. Even if you, if you go for the food, the food is great or just go for drinks. They have amazing cocktail menu and just getting to meet everyone that works there. Is, it's like such a great experience and I really enjoyed working there.
2: Yeah. It looks like so much fun. And I think, I'd always be scared, like what if people request something and I'm just like, I don't actually know what that is. But um, did you get any like really weird requests or really out there requests at any point?
1: Yeah, so a lot of it was the same sort of things that we'd kind of expect, a lot of The Greatest Showman, a lot of Mamma Mia, and then also people would be going to or have come from shows, so kind of what they'd been to see, um, Six Heathers, we got a lot, and then you'd get like Seven Brides for Seven Brothers or something totally that you just wouldn't expect to kind of get requested in in that sort of setting. And the great thing about it was someone would know it. Like most of yeah. the time, I think, I can't even remember a time with a musical song that someone was like, I, I can't do it. And and the great thing about having a live pianist that also sings is that if we were, we were all a bit like, Oh, I'm not really sure. Usually they, they would be able to bust through it and and create something from it. If, if someone requested it. And also they have the element of kind of people can request at any time and we'll just work our way through pick what we what songs we want to do and if someone's busy at at some point someone else will jump on and and it's kind of that that team element to it which is great
0: I guess that's it as well is that it every night would be different um just by basis of the people who who come through the door and it's I know we talk a lot about liking things where it's never quite Exactly the same. And it's the same as true of, of a show, you know, even when you're you're doing a script every night is always slightly different because if there's a, a good crowd or a bad crowd or whatever. But yeah, this is something that has kind of is definitely on our list of things to try and get along to.
2: Just yeah, I think time. I think we'll we'll have a great time. We'll have yeah. to come up with some uh some obscure, obscure.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say what 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 would your like obscure choice putting you on the spot, Becky, um if you could pick an obscure
2: See, my obscure choice is obscure because other people don't know. Unless you're a musical nerd, you don't know. Like, I feel like the average kind of musical person who's like seen, I don't know, like the greatest showman wouldn't have heard of the last five years, but I'd be like anything from the last five years, just give it to me and I'm happy. Like, but that's not actually that obscure. If you, you know, musicals (laughs) Oh, something from songs from a new world, that'd be nice as well. I'm not I'm not sure not sure what, but um, any anything, Jason Robert Brown, I'm happy. Fair, no fair. What would yours be?
0: My obscure musical choice. Yeah, I left probably something from Left.
2: That is obscure, though.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's my music. It was my favourite musical last year. Like you know, of course, it's gonna be something from Left.
1: Abby, what would you pick? Probably not. It probably wouldn't be that obscure, but I might do something kind of something old or yeah, there's something that <laughs> that no one would expect like oh like carousel or something like that mm. which i know that the singers would absolutely know but that not necessarily everyone else in the restaurant would would have heard of
0: that's part of of things like i guess sing easy but also things like tight lads and things like going to just roles will never play like kind of cabaret performances like that as well though is that you do hear songs that you sometimes have just never heard before, and you go, "Oh, this! I like this. This is a show I want to see." Or you hear songs that you know really well, but a different take on them. So I'm just like, "Good, we like the variety."
2: Yeah, mix it up a bit. It's part of the fun.
0: It's like me when I had avoided seeing Hamilton for like ten years, and then it new new like I'd heard one song and then saw it, and I was like, "Oh, I've actually heard quite a lot of these songs." Yeah, but out of context are.
1: Completely different. I refused to listen to the cast recording before I went to see it, and well, I mean, obviously, I'd heard a few songs. and You can't escape it, but I wanted to see the show fresh, and I didn't want to listen and and kind of out of context. I wanted to hear it with the with the story, and then straight after watching it, I was like, okay, well, I need to listen to it again, and then <laughs> and then that was it. <laughs> I just lived off the Disney
2: Plus recording. I tried to avoid it, and then I was like. Mid 2020, I was like, I might not actually ever go to a theater again. So I was like, just put that on a loop for about a week straight before my housemates were like, please turn this off.
0: (laughs) She still does it every couple of weeks. I do, I do. Abby, thank you so much for coming and having a chat with us today. It's been absolutely wonderful to get more of an insight into your career, into you know what you love about theater, all the rest of it. Before we leave things, we do have one very. This is the most important question of the show because we leave the best till last. It's something we ask every person who has come on the overstudies and that is what is your go-to coffee order
1: oh i'm really boring because i'm intolerant to caffeine (laughs) but i love coffee so i do have decaf coffee um my go-to coffee order is a decaf flat white can't go wrong so boring, I know.
2: <laughs> no, but it's it's old reliable. You know exactly what you're gonna get. You know you're gonna enjoy it. What
1: more can you want?
0: Yeah. Favourite chain or any any flat white in particular? Or I this has become never a very Costa, big Costa,
1: never Costa. If I can avoid Costa, that's great. I think Nero is number one mm. than Starbucks, if I'm going with the chain. But I do prefer trying to find independent coffee places as best as I can
0: as you say this is some some big heated debates have broken out or on previous episodes. Well, I've
2: converted you to a grind girly now, haven't I? Yeah. So, well, I'm branching out a little bit. <laughs> grind is
1: nice. Uh, yeah, when bet- I lived in Greenwich, whenever I walked through, I was like, I'm going to have to treat myself to a grind. I,
2: I can't go to Greenwich without going and getting a coffee from Grind. It's actually a problem. <laughs> like, I'm like, I have to go. It'll be the middle of summer. I'm like, no, I need a coffee right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: It's the aesthetic as well. Like it's just so walking through Greenwich holding a grind cup, you just have yeah. to
2: do it. <laughs> Absolutely. So thanks for joining us today. And I guess the next thing is the next Tight Lads Live and the next season of Tight Lads. We will definitely be sharing that on our socials when that comes out.
0: Yeah, keep an eye on ours. But of course, also make sure that you follow Abby's socials and the tight lads socials, which are.
1: So my social media is I'm on Instagram, mostly at abbyoneil17. And the tight lads Instagram has recently changed. So I'm glad that you asked. So it's now TLE productions on Instagram.
2: Yes, make sure you follow to find out exactly when the next tight lads live is because you don't want to miss it. Honestly, we say that with like 100% like authenticity everyone needs to go and see one of these shows it's just so much fun
0: yeah there's one thing about your overstudies that you can always trust is if we recommend something we genuinely do mean it
2: (laughs) yeah Um, that is true
0: (laughs) (laughs) we are well i am brutally honest about my thoughts on just about everything yeah abby thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show yeah best of luck with everything coming quite lads way and of course your own other endeavors as well and we will see you no doubt in the phoenix arts club very very soon
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've had the best time and I can't wait to see what happens with the overstudies this year.
0: Thank you so much to Abby there for sitting down and having a chat. So much great advice, so much lovely Really exciting stuff as well, actually. Since we recorded with Abby, it has been announced that she is heading out on her first UK tour. She's going to be joining the cast of The Little Mermaid, playing the iconic villain, Ursula. And if you want to check her out on stage, you can, in fact, go and see her at, appropriately enough, the Greenwich Theatre on the 9th and 10th of April, 2023. I'm also really excited to see what Abby does with the rest of the Tight Lads throughout the rest of the year as well.
2: Yeah. I'm so excited. Like we genuinely mean it when we say we adore Tight Lads Live and the podcast is brilliant. So if you haven't listened to any of the Tight Lads seasons so far, go on, listen to it. Once you finish this episode, of course.
0: Once you finish this episode and listen back to our previous, well, radio shows, technically with Jordan and Chesney.
2: Yes, it's been great chatting to all the tight lads. So maybe we should get them all on at once next time.
0: I was going to say, we need like a chaos filled one where it's just all five of us talking nonsense yeah it,
2: it it will be entertaining that is one thing
0: save that one for season three yeah if you have enjoyed it today and you want to let us know your thoughts and feedback please do we really do love hearing from you it's one thing coming and sitting in front of a microphone and chatting some nonsense for an hour or so it's another thing entirely getting some wonderful feedback on that and, and hearing your thoughts likewise if there's anybody you think that needs the overseas treatment. If you want to try and get in touch with people and have a chat with them, let us know your suggestions as well. How can people do that, Rebecca?
2: You can find us on Twitter. We are at Of Studies, or you can find us on Instagram at Of Studies blog. Where else can you find us? You can
0: also go onto our website, www.overstudies.co.uk, or you can drop us a cheeky little email, stage at overstudies.co.uk.
2: Yes, we genuinely do love hearing from you. So, you know, send your thoughts, feedback, kind words. If you don't have anything nice to say, then um, don't bother. Yeah. Basically.
0: Unless you're going to be mocking, lightly mocking Becky's Northern accent, in which case have at it.
2: Oh yeah, valid. Like, fair enough.
0: We will be back next week at the same time, at the same place, wherever you get your podcasts. But for now, keep it overstudies, keep it tight, and we will see you very, very soon. From me, Charlie.
2: And me, Becky. Bye. Bye.